Welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast today. This is episode 259, and today we're doing something a bit different. In prior years, Steve and I have shared our gear of the year picks, and we had done that on Monday Minute episodes, which are typically our shorter, more informal episodes. As we started to think about the gear of the year for this year, we realized A, there was a lot to talk to, and B, one of the things we wanted to do was revisit the previous years see what our picks were, and then also see how that gear was performing for us years later. And so that's what we're doing today in this episode. In the first 25, 26 minutes, Steve and I recap our gear of the year picks from 2018 and 2019. And then about that 25, 26 minute mark into this show, you'll hear our gear of the year discussion for 2020. So there's a lot in here, both, oh man, hunting backpacking, shooting, like the gear of the year covers a wide spectrum. There's something in here for you. And part of the reason we wanted to get this show out now versus truly at the end of the year is so that you could put these things on your Christmas list if you want to. There's quite literally, as you'll hear, gear that we discussed that cost $3 and gear that we discussed that cost $3,000 plus. So we cover the gamut. Hope you enjoy this episode. As always, we appreciate your feedback and your views and you sharing the show. So if you can, leave us a review in the podcast app that you use, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, or something else. You can also just share the show with a friend that would help us tremendously, or you can contact us directly with your questions, comments, or feedback to podcast at exomountaingear.com. All right, let's dive right in and discuss the gear of the year. All right, Steve, it is that time of year where things are wrapping up. Uh, not completely done hunting yet, either of us, but uh, we're kind of done shopping <laughs> or in terms of gearing up for the year, I'd hope, by this point. And at the same time, we're coming around to the holidays and you know the opportunity for some of you guys as listeners to maybe get some Christmas gifts. And so one thing we've done the past couple of years is talk about our gear of the year picks. Um and we did that in 2018 and 2019, uh, which you can find links to in the show description, both to the podcast um, the podcasts uh, that we recorded about the gear, the year picks. And then in 2018, we actually did a blog post to go with that as well. So we'll link to that. And then we'll also, we'll have a link for this year's picks. But Steve, before we dive into uh, our picks for this year, let's go ahead and kind of recap basically to give a follow-up on some of the items we talked about prior. So in 2018, we had categories. We did under $50, we did $50 to $150, and we did $150 and up. And so you and I each picked an item or two in those categories. And so for 2018, let's just hit uh, what our picks were, and then maybe is that still relevant? Do you still feel like this is great gear now here a few days later? Um, So... For under $50 in 2018, what did you pick and what would you say about those things now? Uh, what did I pick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to pull up the email right now. Oh, you're good. Put you on the spot. So I you picked deleted it, yeah. two things that I know you still use, uh, one darn tough socks and two, the Sawyer Squeeze water filter. Ah, yeah. Yeah, 100% still use those. Um, darn tough. Yeah, they've... Uh, I think they've only continued to add to their line of socks. I've probably, I've got a, just a pile of them. 
Um, I, th- I think if you've been listening to any of the boot rants that I've gone on over time through different uh, Monday minutes and podcasts, um, you know, I've got certain boots I, that work great with a thicker sock and certain boots that need a thinner sock. And I think it's just the, the volume on the inside of that. So I have a, a few different, like, I think it's called like the micro hunter from darn tough. And then like, a their hunter full cushion, which is just, you know, there's more uh, cushion, more, more wool inside there. So it fills up the boot better, which, you know, I, again, I'm just using that to keep my foot from slipping inside the boot. Um, you know, keep heel rub down to a minimum, or if the, the, toe box of it is like a little too narrow for you know for my foot then i wear a thin sock if it's if it's got some space in there then i wear a thicker sock so um yeah absolutely hands down fan of the darn toughs i everyone i've recommended it to um they love them i I've, there's just not a bad thing to say about them so um sorry squeeze filter continues to be just a fantastic easy solution i think there's some competitors that, that have popped up on the market for them um, but nothing that's, uh, I think is better or any reason to change over the, the one thing I did see, um, which is really cool in a base camp setting is Kaden has what, the, what they call, I think it's literally called their base camp filter. It's basically a, a six liter dry bag with, uh, essentially just a larger version of a Sawyer squeeze filter that kind of threads into the bottom of it. And so you just go into the stream scoop up six liter water, six liters of water, hang it up in a tree. And then it's just got this little valve, this click valve. You just open with your thumb uh, and the water flows out of that. And there's a kind of enough pressure in there that it gravity flows really fast. Um, and there it's only like 10, 11 ounces for that setup. Um, so definitely, I think there's a application. Oh, I haven't bought one yet, but I, I would like to kind of put it on my gear list of like a possibles um, you know, just in certain settings, um, uh, our, I said our, uh, on the sheep hunt, I went on this year with Tyler, our guide had one of those. And when we were at camp, we ended up using, like, it was just so convenient to fill up your bladder with that thing that we all kind of, uh, bummed that thing from them and started using it. So, um, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. You should totally put that on your list and then I'll just bum it. Like you pack yeah, it, there you, you, go. Buy it, you pack <laughs> it and then we're hunting. Like I'm yeah. set. No, it's, it's a cool setup, man. I mean, I think, um, if I was going in somewhere with it were with the intent to set up a camp for multiple days, um, you know, I'd still want my Sawyer filter, but maybe one guy packs a Sawyer and then one guy packs that thing. Cause, yeah. uh, it was pretty cool. I did hear, um, Dwayne, our guide said it, it can't, you know, I think it's similar filter setup system to the Sawyer. Like you don't want to dip that thing into the Creek where there's a lot of silt and, and just basically d- you know, dirt debris in the water because it'll clog up fast. So you want to make sure you're getting as clean as water as you can into the filter. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the only knock on it that I heard about it. But other than that, I was very impressed. Yeah, I had a, the similar system from Platypus. Um, they have it a gravity system and it's been probably four, <clears throat> excuse me, it's been probably like four years since I've used it um, just because the, what you said, like logistics, um, we used it primarily and we were, packing in and then essentially had a backcountry base camp we were hunting from and so it worked great from that and it's exactly what you said like that was the big downfall i saw was that the filter's not as easy to back flush as like a sawyer squeeze and then yeah you just definitely had to be somewhat particular you know with sediment but it is nice just having that dirty bag hang there and then kind of have that on and off flow valve and having things on demand so it's definitely for base camp type stuff a great choice for sure um 
under fifty dollars for me in twenty eighteen. I had this little DIY koozie meal rehydrator type deal, um, which you guys can see if you go back to uh, that blog article. That link in the show description because that doesn't make sense what I just said. So if you want to see what the heck I'm talking about, you can see that. Um, I would I do like it. I use it depending on the trip still. And for me, the main uh, driver there was when I started doing my own dehydrated meals. Um, and my initial packaging of those meals wasn't too friendly to then reheat and eat out of. And so I was looking for a better solution there. Um, there are good bag choices out there now that are much easier to rehydrate in and eat out of. So I don't always pack this koozie thing uh, that I built, um, which is why it was under $50. Cause I think I put it together for like $5, but, um, I, it's cool. I use it. And I would just say just on the topic of insulation for rehydrating meals and period is something to consider to look at. Um, I've done things from just when it's not super cold out and I'm not wearing my puffy. Uh, if I'm just rehydrating my meal in a bag, I'll just kind of wrap my puffy around it. Um, Steve, I know you had something recently. I think it's from Hyperlite Mountain Gear. Um, you yeah, know, but gonna, just basically it's providing... on my gear of the year for this year. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, there yeah, you go. Yeah. We'll hit it then. Go, go ahead and hit it now while it's relevant. Uh, yeah. So we were up in Anchorage on the way up to the sheep hunt, stopped by uh, Heather's Choice and uh, was picking up a few last minute meals from Heather there. And and she said, oh, you got to check this out and try it out. And it's, so it's Hyperlite Mountain Gear makes it. And it, I think it's just Cuban fiber fabric um which you know probably there's it's such a small item whether fabric no matter what fabric it's used from probably doesn't matter but it's just a little insulated pouch and you know i'm typically pretty anti adding you know an extra even though it's only like it's, it's less than two ounces um but it's it was nice you know the um you just put the meal in, you get the meal all cooked up and ready and throw it in there and then throw it in that little koozie and then just set it aside and, and you can wait, you know, some of the meals now take longer, you know, 20, 30 minutes, especially the, the homemade stuff takes longer to rehydrate. Um, the Tyler I had a bunch of those that his wife makes. And, um, so yeah, you give it a good 30 minutes and if you don't have it insulated, your meals kind of lukewarm, but inside that little pouch, it was piping hot. So, um, and I think it uh, retaining the heat probably helps it rehydrate faster as well. So, um, yeah, just a, it was a cool little piece, something and like if I just seen it like on an ad online or something like that, I never would have bought it. But, uh, yeah, I was a huge fan of it. It's really cool. Yeah. There's all kinds of like DIY options out there. I used a specific jar that I wrapped with Reflectix, um, insulation there. You can do the same thing. Take that Reflectix insulation and like either sew or tape a little basically envelope together to fit your meal. So there's a bunch of DIY options. And then, like you said, options on the market to purchase as well. So, uh, or just wrap your jacket around it, you know? Yeah. No, that's that's something I've done in the past. Yeah. Just throwing it, throwing a jacket or throwing around a sleeping bag or something like that. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that stuff's always, sometimes it's packed away in your pack or not as readily accessible. And yeah. So 2018 are picks for the price point of 50 to 150 dollars uh everything was clothing for us that year steve you picked uh the prana stretch zion and the first light wick hoodie um the zions go you know in terms of those being a pick of the year i would say that's like a pick of the decade for you it goes way back before 2018 (laughs) but uh anything you want to say about either of those items uh no no so Prana came out with, um, 
I think they call it the Bryon now. And it's basically yeah. a Zion that's a lighter, thinner fabric. Um, and I originally ordered them just to wear around town. Uh, but I like them so much that um, that I started wearing them hunting as well. And they don't have any cargo pockets. Yeah, they're more um, of like a jean cut, like just your five yeah, pocket. Yeah, just normal. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they're they're and they're a little bit lighter. So I did get a hole in one. I think I was um I, I think it was packing out my bear this spring, if I remember right. Um stepped over a log, caught like a little, you know, one inch super sharp little stub sticking out of the log and putting a two inch hole in it. And then I ended up patching it up and I had those on the sheep hunts. Um, but what I like about them being thinner is when they get wet, they, they dry even that much quicker. I mean, I think Zion's in general dry fast and these dry even faster. So it's nice um, just for that when it is like nice weather, but it's morning and you're just, your pant legs get wet from walking in the grass or whatever. Uh, they dry out super fast um, and just even thinner for, for hot weather hunts that I was a big fan of them. So um the only thing they don't have is the built-in belt, which uh, really stinks because that's, uh, you know, a fantastic part of the Zions is, you know, pretty much any pants going to stretch out over the duration of a hunt. And we've talked plenty of times on the podcast here about not wearing a belt underneath uh, in between your hip belt and your skin. Basically, it's going to create a pinch point and a rub spot. Um, so if you can find a pair of pants that don't require that, uh, you know, thumbs up to that. Um, and those Bryons don't have it. They don't stretch out too terribly. Um, but the, you know, a couple of times I have to use the old parachute cord belt halfway through a hunt to, to keep the things from falling off. Yeah. Uh, anything on the wick hoodie? That's just, uh, if guys aren't familiar, a lightweight Merino hoodie from, uh, no, yeah, I still have that piece. I love it. Um, still wish they would add a zipper to it, uh, <laughs> like to even increase, you know, to be able to kind of have that heat dump when you're wearing it. But I appreciate uh, some guys are completely anti hoods. Um, I love them. I think every item I wear should have a hood on it. Uh, you know, even when it's hot, you'd put that up and protect your neck from the sun and, uh, and wind burn and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, once, when they, when first I adds a little quarter zip to that, um, that'll literally be the perfect base layer piece. Yeah. I love that one as well. For sure. I had, uh, picked the Klamath, which is like a grid fleece from first light, uh, back in 2018. Um, still absolutely love it i think i have three of them now like i have one in fusion but then i have a black one and they're green color and uh yeah i use it hunting all the time use it casual wear um just around the house out on town i just absolutely love that hoodie um in the grid fleece so yeah nothing but great things to still to still say about that um that's one thing i like when we you know, it's one thing to talk about new gear, but to revisit stuff years later and be like, nope, still great. You know what I mean? Like, that's just always a, a reassuring thing. So uh, thus far, all this stuff is, has been just that great over over years. So at $150 and up, Steve, you picked uh, the Enrich Mini. Again, a piece we've talked about numerous times in different contexts, but essentially it's a, it's a must. Like, it's just a flat out essential for you. Yeah. Yeah, nothing's changed there. Absolutely love that thing. Um, I think, yeah, two thousand. It was either eighteen or nineteen. Seemed to have like a few or hear a few reports of like connectivity issues. Just kind of a lag time getting connected to satellites, getting messages in, in and out. I haven't heard that this year. Um, so I'm I'm wondering if Garmin's kind of either 
upgraded something, added some satellites, something along those lines. But I had really good luck um, with it. And then as well, um, so it was really very consistent going from the field to, say, my wife's cell phone. And then it was always spotty when you're in the field going from device to device. Um, say, so say you and I are hunting and you're five miles apart from or we're five miles apart from each other. Um, in the past, it was like a 50-50 shot if that message would actually get through to you. Like Sometimes it'd show up two days later. Sometimes it'd never show up at all. Um, this year, I had pretty good luck with it. I'd say it was like 75% chance um, that that it was working. Like our on the sheep hunt, um, Dwayne, our guide, had uh, um, on the hike out, um, basically we were 20-some-odd miles. On, this is the very end of the trip. We were 20-some miles from the airplane. And the other guy that was with us had killed a bear. And so we kind of had this plan that between Tyler, um, Colton, and the guy who was with us and me, we we're going to pack out basically all of the gear and the bear. And then, and Dwayne, the guide was going to go out with just, just enough, you know, basically food, uh, to get him to the plane. And then he could fly closer to us, uh, and land. Um, and so, but on the way out, he was messaging us, letting us know, like we were trying to coordinate where we were meeting and all that stuff. Um, and it worked great that whole time. So, um, yeah, it was good. I was like, like, I don't know about this. You know, like I don't want to rely on in reach to in reach communication while out in the field, but it, it uh, ended up working out for us. Cool. Uh, at 150 up in 2018, I had picked uh, the Benchmade Altitude Knife and then my Catabatic Gear Quilt. Uh, both of those I still use extensively and absolutely love. Um, you know, the Benchmade Altitude have used on quite a few animals not only my own but been on group hunts like our caribou hunts and all kinds of things like that we're just it's it's seen a lot of work for sure um and yeah i just i love it i mean it's a, a premium knife not everybody's wanting to pay that much for a knife i get that but if you can get a whole bunch of years of use out of it uh it begins to have value in that context and it's just you know you've you've joked about my sharpening prowess steve <laughs> it's just for and you know, I've sharpened a lot of different knives, but for me, for whatever reason, like I'm just able to get that knife stupid sharp on a consistent basis um, without much work. And it, it still holds an edge, you know, which like is we, opposite of with that S90 V, v steel, right? Like, yeah, it's exactly. not supposed to sharpen easily. That's the downside to it. Yeah. Yeah. But in, you know, it, it, it goes back to a, I don't let it get crazy stupid dull right like you you want to stay on top of it and keep it sharp versus trying to get it sharp from a terrible edge but i can you know we could legit break down an elk and then i'll just sharpen it when i'm done and it's it's just back to popping here easy so um yeah love that knife and then the catabatic quilt 110 percent love um man i struggled to find a thing i would say i would change on that uh it's i have the 22 degree alsec uh quilts and it's a great do-it-all i mean even in warm weather i use it and that's one great thing about a quilt it's just so easy to ventilate or essentially only use portions of um and then it being a 22 degree quilt i would say that catabatics ratings are you know accurate slash conservative i've taken it down into the teens um and just been really comfortable with it no durability issues really like the attachment system um yeah just absolutely love that sucker so if you're investing in a quilt or sleeping bag it's definitely one of you know numerous good options out there to consider for sure 2019 steve we were much more uh 
short and to the point. We each picked uh, essentially one item. Uh, we didn't do price points and all those things we did in 2018. But uh, I think if I remember the context, we kind of did this one last minute of like, oh, crap, we need to do like some gear of the year picks. Uh, <laughs> we just didn't have as much forethought into it. And I had picked the Garmin Instinct watch. Uh, and I think even in that podcast talked about like it's yeah, it didn't change the way I hunt specifically. But if I just think through one thing that's kind of changed my uh, year as a whole, then it would be the Garmin Instinct. And to this day, I still use it, wear it all of the time. Uh, I love the specific outdoor features to it. Yes. Um, like even simple things on sunrise, sunset built right into it. Uh, you know, it has the um, uh, the uh, altitude built into it. So it has the ABC features, right? Like altimeter, barometer, compass. That's all helpful. Um, just the day-to-day use of seeing your activity, sleep tracking. Um, one of my favorite things is just how easy it is to track hikes with it. Um, and so in the preseason, I rely on it a ton as I'm, you know, tracking specific heights and trying to you know, beat my last time or scale distance or what have you. You don't have to carry my phone to have GPS tracking of a hike. I can just wear my watch. Um, yeah, it just gives me all kinds of information, whether it's day-to-day stuff or hike-specific or hunt-specific. There's just a lot There's a lot built into it. Uh, and I would say at the same time, I don't even use everything it can do. And it, even though it can do a lot, it's still uh, pretty simple. So um, fantastic piece of gear. I'm just... Only thing I would say about it um, is I'm mad that they've now come out with a solar version and I'm too cheap to buy a new one. But they have solar <laughs> well, versions now, so which are even better. I upgraded the solar version and I honestly don't see much of an improvement. So you're not missing really? out on much. No, yeah. Uh, it'll go into um, basically like low, extreme low power mode where you just have the function of the clock. Um, oh. and so it'll never die on you. But that's kind of it. Like yeah, I'm it. not seeing any longer battery life, um, and uh, yeah, you, it just has the it has like preservation mode, right? Like yep. it goes into sleep, and you can you basically have a clock on your wrist, which happened to me on the sheep hunt. I forgot to pack a charger for it, and like day four, I had tracked a couple hikes. Like when we packed out that that other client's caribou, uh, I had tracked that hike, and it zapped a good portion of the battery because it ended up being like eight hours or something stupid long like that, and. Um, so I'd zap the battery and by day four, it was like, well, okay, click, click it into this mode. And I was able to have a, a watch for the rest of the trip and be able to tell the time, but that but was no metrics. And yeah. yeah, well, thanks for being the guinea pig, man. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was kind of a not hunt specific, but item I picked last year in 2019, uh, Steve, you had talked last year, I think trying to get out of giving me an answer about your year of the year pick, <laughs> you had just talked about how, uh, consistency in your gear system and essentially not needing new gear was your gear of the year like you're just Mm. in a really good place where you feel like man i just don't like you know need to upgrade stuff is dialed blah 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 and all that's true uh but i still forced you to pick some things (laughs) and you said your sig rangefinder and then you had also mentioned uh that benchmade altitude knife as well uh last year so uh, want to elaborate on either of those, whether it's that consistency system, which, you know, we've hit that topic or the, the specific year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, it's funny. I, I didn't remember last year's at all, but when you said we were going to be doing this today, I immediately kind of like started going through like, well, there's just not, you know, I, 
my immediate default was I didn't use anything new this year. And then I really thought I started thinking about it. Like, no, yeah, I did. I, I, you know, I got four or five items that were new and I was trying out. Um, but th- that consistency is important. You know, I just, once you get to, you got that gear dialed in, you just kind of, you, you know, it, you know, it works, uh, and you don't have to get as, as nerdy. It's more, um, I think as, as we've talked about in the past, it's just fun to try new things. Right. But I don't need it. Um, so if you're like financially in a place where you just need to save money, you just got your stuff dialed. You don't need to buy anything new and you just, you're good to go. So, um, the SIG rangefinder continue to really enjoy that thing. Um, it, uh, obviously getting more into the rifle side, as we, we just talked about, we had those, uh, their BDX, uh, rangefinding binos on that elk hunt. Uh, so basically the same software system, it's just fantastic. Um, just systems as far as I'm concerned, um, just getting dialed in and get, getting an accurate shot off. Um, and then the, the rangefinder itself, I only use for bow hunting. I just, I just had the one, um, uh, basically 24 hours there for the elk in September. So I didn't, didn't do a whole lot of bow hunting with it, uh, this year. Um, but it, obviously it worked great. I was able to get a good range, uh, you know, compared to some rangefinders I've used in the past. Uh, it just has such a good scan mode. Like that, that bowl I shot this year was, 66 yards uphill i think something like that um but it there was kind of tall enough sagebrush that um you know the sagebrush was about mid body from my point of view i knew the arrow was going to kind of arch into there um but uh you know i was able to kind of hit and and just basically hold down the button and the scan mode works so well that you can kind of like I could see like getting 55 yards, 66 yards, 54 yards, 66 yards. Right. So I, I knew I was bouncing off two things and I knew the elk was the furthest thing away. Uh, and then it was that farther, farther range where, um, like I said, I've used some others. I had an older Leopold that just didn't work like that. And, and I could have easily seen a scenario of thought I ranged it and got 55 and shot for that and shot underneath it. So that scan mode to me is, is critical. Uh, altitude knife. I actually, yeah, I love that knife. I actually didn't use it once this year. Um, I had some other knives sent to me that I was playing with and trying out. Um, and, uh, you know, honestly, yeah, that, that nothing was better than that altitude. That altitude is a fantastic knife. So, um, still highly would recommend that. Yeah. So that's a, uh, I want to say quick recap, but that was a fairly in-depth recap of our prior, uh, picks from years. So just talk about this year, um, just looking at it, we just kind of did a brain dump of like what comes to mind as we pick our gear of the year picks. And so we didn't make any categories. We didn't put any limitations on it uh, in terms of price point. And, you know, looking at the list, there's things that cost $3 and things that I think cost over three grand. Um, you can, I'll tell you who picked the three grand one. Um, <laughs> uh, Steve gets to try stuff, man. Um but yeah, so there's no there's no categories or price point. It's literally just kind of a brain dump of what came to mind as we thought about the topic for each of us individually. Uh, let's start with the $3 one, not because it's cheap, because I thought it was funny, because it was one of the first things I thought about uh, and put on my list. And then separately, Steve, as you made your list, it happened to be on your list as well. Uh, and that is the Big Sur Bar. What the heck is that, Steve? I don't know. Tyler uh, showed up to <laughs> Alaska with him on the sheep hunt. Um, he had a, a pile of them and he handed me a couple and, you know, I looked at it and it's like, this is this freaking big brick of a bar, you know, and yeah. uh, um, looks like just a, you know, a quote unquote healthy cookie in a bar shape. Right. Um, and uh, 
and yeah, they're like 600 calories. Like, holy crap, this thing's, you know, this thing's massive. Um, and then just, yeah, we took it on the hunt and man, they were freaking delicious. So I think what I appreciated about it was the, uh, obviously a, it tastes great. I think it's got a pretty good balance of carbohydrates and sugars and, and it's got a lot of like almonds and pecans and stuff in there. Uh, so you're getting some kind of proteins out of that. Um, and, um, the it's, it was a, it's kind of like, um, it's just simple. I eat it for breakfast and I'm, I'm getting 600 calories and I know I'm good for till lunchtime. Um, like versus I, everything I have is all the other bars, you know, like the backcountry bar, I'm a big fan of there. That's like 350 calories. Um, so it's always kind of the breakfast was like a combination of things in the past, right? Like it was at least two items to get to kind of five, 600 calories. And this was just like, oh, got my coffee, got my big sir bar, uh, you know, eat that, drink the coffee. And I, I know I'm freaking, I got fuel and I'm good to go for, uh, the morning. Um, so just that simplicity of grabbing one item and then just flat out tastes delicious. Yeah. You had texted me after the sheep hunt and you're like, Tyler brought these up. They're pretty stinking good. And just like sent me a link to them. And I got to looking at them and I was like, dang, those do look legit. And uh, ordered, I think, like a 12 pack or something. And I was instantly hooked. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> As you said, they're basically a giant, uh, healthy cookie. Um, like you said, a good mix of nuts as well as um, sugars. They're all natural. When you buy them, you actually have to freeze them when you receive them. If you're not going to use them within seven days, you have to freeze them just because there's no preservatives and all that. So, um, but coming out of the freezer, they're fantastic. Like I had them in the freezer, uh, before Idaho elk hunts or no, it was before my Colorado elk hunt, I pulled them out of the freezer and just had them in the pack for the week. And they're fantastic. So they're, I think, what are they? They basically average probably about three bucks a bar, but when you look at it, like for the amount of calories and ex my experience exact same as yours, Steve, I used to either have to eat two things for breakfast or I'd eat one thing for breakfast and then basically need like a mid morning snack yeah, before lunch. Yeah. And that's just gone now. So for three bucks to legit go from breakfast to lunch, even on like a fully active hunting day. Um, yeah, it's totally worth it. Yeah. You're basically for three bucks, you're, you're, it's a two for one, right? You're replacing two bars with one bar. So the cost is basically identical. Uh, there's one thing to note. I, I think my first, I bought like a 36 pack of it. Um, and so I, uh, took, I can't remember. I think it was just on the September elk hunt. took a few for me and Tyler. Um, but I did notice after about a month in the freezer, they started to kind of dry out a little bit. Mm. Um, so I think if you were to buy, I think if you just want to like, um, the packaging that it comes in is fairly thin. Um, and so maybe if, if you were going to store, if you know, they're going to be in there for months, I would wrap them in a Ziploc bag, or if yeah. you've got a vacuum sealer or something like that, I think that to help them kind of last longer for most guys, once you taste them, they're not going to last months. So. Yeah, no, I, yeah. Yes, like, <laughs> mine are all gone now. Cause I just been, uh, lazy in the morning and just grab a big Sur bar and, and my coffee on the drive into the office. <laughs> um, We'll hit another one that was on, and again, we make these lists separately, uh, but this item was on both of our lists, and it's uh, very affordable as well, so don't mean to go by price, but just hitting stuff that's common between us, and that is the Wiser Precision Quick Sticks. Mm. Um, not a super new item, at least to me. Uh, I had used them last year as well, not just this year, um, 
on both our caribou hunt uh, as well as our Kodiak hunts and actually some hunts uh, at home, some whitetail hunts, and then used them this year when I shot my elk. Same for you, Steve. Uh, actually, just um, let a buddy borrow them. I think it was last weekend, the weekend before. I think I'd mentioned on a previous podcast to help the buddy with some meat that his son had shot his first deer and he shot his first deer off of him. So, um, yeah, just all kinds of helpful, but Steve, for you going back to, I'll let you hit first, like your points of, you don't like to carry extras. You like to keep things simple. Obviously you like things light, all of that. Uh, the quick six do all that. So I guess I'll elaborate on for you, why they're, why they're so helpful. You showed up to Kodiak with them last year and kind of looked at it and, you know, like probably before we were hunting, I'm like, oh, that's cool. They, they looked, um, they almost, they looked like machined aluminum to me. Um, I don't know why I thought that I was like, oh, these things must be kind of heavy. Like, oh, that's cool, but I wouldn't pack them. Um, and then over the course of the Kodiak hunt, um, just how that specifically that first, you know, 500 to depending on where we're at thousand feet of the mountain, it was so brushy and so dense that like, the, we talked about this in the, in the Kodiak recap, like it, you can't shoot anywhere right? like yeah. uh i mean we got uh, i got some friends going up to kodiak right now and i was trying to describe it to them of like you literally there's zero point to stop in glass unless you're at a place that you can shoot um because just how like you'd see a great buck but he just 30 seconds later dive into the brush and then he was just gone you know it's like just flat out you're not going to see that deer again um it's specifically like that one area that we were hunting a lot was just so brushy that um so it's like there was no point to, to stop uh, unless you could shoot. And those quick sticks obviously open up a lot of ability to shoot. Um, Cause you, if you, know, if you, you just couldn't lay prone anywhere, you need to have a good solid rifle rest to shoot. You know, for me, like freehand, maybe I would try 200 yards. I frankly haven't practiced that very much, Probably I should more develop my rifle skills on that. Um, but I just kind of had a hard rule. Like if it's over, you know, over a hundred yards, I want to find a good solid rest and, um, and, uh, yeah, so the, the quick sticks, just turn your trekking poles into a really good, uh, setup to, to rest your rifle on. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, I shot, uh, you shot your bowl off of them. I shot, um, my bowl off my spike off of it. Uh, sh- didn't shoot my bear off of it this year. Um, I practiced with them a lot on the sheep hunt. Um, like we were, you know, we pulled up on some sheep and I was just, um, complete side nips uh, side uh, side tip um uh, is one thing i do a lot when i'm hunting is 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 basically dry fire whether um with with a bow i'll I'll knock an arrow come to full draw and hold on hold on a little object at 50 yards you know and just pretend that it's an elk or a deer and kind of go through my shot sequence without actually pulling the trigger and then i I do the same with the rifle but cool thing with the rifle is you get to actually not have a, a um, uh, a bullet in the chamber and you can dry fire that sucker. So I was on the sheep hunt specifically, like we had it multiple times. We were on some, some lambs and ewes and, uh, like 300, 400 yards. And I pulled out the, pulled out the trekking poles with quick sticks and set up on it. And was like, Hey, can I, can I make this shot at 400 yards and, uh, practice different, like where the, the heights of things and, and how to get a good stable rest between using my body and the quick sticks. And, um, man, it was just fantastic. Unfortunately, never got to squeeze the trigger on a ram, but, um, I had practiced that and felt confident that out to 400 yards, I could make that shot. Yeah. I mean, I love shooting off of them. Um, you know, specifically for what you said, like that middle range where you 
it's difficult or you can't find a spot to get prone or shoot off of a pack or shoot off of a bipod, but you kind of have to do more of a kneeling or sitting type situation. Um, really valuable there. Um, I just love how simple they are too. Like they're just, I leave them on my trekking poles hundred percent of the time. There's no point in taking them off. So even like during an archery hunt, they're there. Um, yeah. I think the set weighs a couple ounces and then you can, use them to interlock your um trekking poles basically make them a a a locked pair so there's just you get a lot of benefit without really any downsides to them i think they're like 35 bucks i don't think i think it's like 1.2 ounces or something man they are freaking light um they weigh nothing so it's just it's just some type of uh um machined plastic um that yeah they're just fantastic cool um go ahead and pick one from i think that's the the couple items we both had in common steve but uh hit anything you want man pick something from your list we'll take turns uh we'll just start cheap crocs crocs on the sheep hunt man uh like they uh those literally i i packed them up with no um well actually i'll take that back i knew we were crossing uh talking to Dwayne, the guide depending on where we were hunting we'd be crossing streams a lot um, so I was like, well, I better throw the Crocs in, not like, probably I was thinking like more, we'll just use them around base camp. And, um, you know, if you're crossing a, a Creek, you just, I'll just get barefoot and cross it real quick and say, and not pack that extra weight. Um, but when we got into where we were going in to, to, um, where we started hunting, kind of looking at the map and talking to Dwayne, like, okay, we're crossing this Creek, you know, 1000 times. Like, oh, okay. I better throw the Crocs on the pack. Um, and Tyler was same when we were in Anchorage, uh, he was kind of, he didn't have any. And, you know, I was like, I don't know, man. So we went to Cabela's there and he had to get his, we both had to get our tags and had to get some, uh, fuel and stuff like that. And he ended up picking up a pair and I can't imagine doing the hunt that we did without them. I mean, they were absolutely critical. Um, they were comfortable to wear and we put a lot of miles on those suckers. Um, you know, it was just something that in Idaho, uh, in most Western states, it's just not something you've really had to deal with. There's usually a path on, on dry land that you can get up places, but up there it was, um, just how the terrain lays out in the brush. Like the, the rivers truly were your highways and, uh, and your roads. And we just used the crap out of them to, to get places. Um, and, uh, yeah, fantastic. So it didn't, um, I didn't use them on any hunts when I came back, but it definitely kind of opened my eyes to, possibilities of hunting areas with with water that maybe like i've looked at in the past but like oh there's no good way to get into that country um like it's definitely kind of opened up my eyes to like holy crap i'll just get my underwear throw some crocs on and walk right up that creek for eight miles you know to get to (laughs) to access that country like it's not it wasn't that bad i thought it was going to be absolutely miserable and it just wasn't bad so yeah um yeah definitely uh something that i'm looking forward to utilizing more in the future yeah, it's uh, I've used them both as a luxury item, if you want to call it that. Like, a, you know, when we do a backcountry base camp, and especially the years that uh, I've hunted with goats, and you can take some extras, they're nice just as camp shoes. Uh, getting out of your boots, letting your feet dry out, they're nice for that. Um, used them on like the 100 mile death hike where there was a fair amount of water crossings, uh, just because I have sissy feet. So, they're they can definitely be handy. Yeah, definitely not a every hunt item, but as you said, um, just getting over i think a lot of guys just honestly have like a mental barrier of water crossings um and if it takes crocs to even get you to cross something much less go up it as you said for miles or come out of it for miles like you did on your sheep hunt steve then 
uh, if it gets you into a place that you wouldn't have otherwise gotten into, then it's a good, uh, I, won't, I don't want to say investment because they're cheap, but like it's, it's worth the wait if it gets you into a new uh, country. Yeah. Um, let's see. One that came to mind for me was just the hammer bullets. Um, you know, and that's, uh, just not only on a, on the hunt, like, um, killing my elk with it. Um, but just honestly, the process of doing load development with them, um, on a couple different calibers and rifles now, like they're just, they're flat out crazy to be honest with you. Like, um, going from experiences I've had loading, loading other bullets and what that can look like in terms of you know some things shoot good quick and some things take a lot of time and tweaking and trial and error but um you know with the hammer bullets my experience uh on a couple of rifles that i've done a load development for um just been crazy um just really easy to do load for um impressive like we were talking about my creedmoor steve just impressive speeds too um, you know, in a 20 inch Creedmoor barrel, I'm getting 2,900 feet a second with no, you know, no pressure signs. Um, terminal performance, you know, is there from everything. Uh, I've obviously limited experience, uh, beyond my elk at this point, more to come, but you know, our buddy Tyler's killed several uh, critters with them and all the reading and research I've done. So they're just, to me, they're a standout for sure. Um, in terms of, you know, gear that, not only is a highlight this year, but it's just something that uh, I'll be sticking with and continuing to put to the test for sure. Let's see. What do you got, Steve? What's next for you? Um, if I'm moving up the price point, probably the um, Stellar Puffy Jacket. Um, so I think I'd, earlier in the year, uh, I, was, well, I was supposed to in May go to New Zealand, um, and, uh, and it was going to be really freaking cold uh, backpack hunt. And... I started going through all my items and, and clothing's just one thing for whatever reason, I just accepted the weight as what it was. I, I don't know why. Um, but I started actually looking at like, okay, I've got my gear as light as I possibly can have it. Where else can I shave some ounces? Uh, and I was surprised at clothing, just how much weight was there. Um, and I don't know if I just kind of wrote it off cause it's like half the time it's on your body. And so you're just not as concerned about it versus being in the pack. Or whatever reason, but I just started weighing items, um, and and the, I've had a I had a first light uncompagri uh, puffy jacket that I've used for years and frankly love, um, and then I've also got their Chamberlain hoodie with, or Chamberlain hood jacket down jacket which I wore last year on a on a rifle deer hunt that was like zero degrees and it was fantastic, but I was weighing those items and going oh man that, that's kind of freaking heavy um, for what I'm you know looking for on this hunt um, the, and that. I didn't think the Uncompagra was quite warm enough. And I thought the Chamberlain was probably overkill. Um, so it just brought me to start researching hoodies and looking at downfill options. And you could start looking at different designs and, and the quality of the down they use, whether it's 650, 750, 850, 900. Uh, and then you can find specs. Um, most companies will list the amount of fill, right? So they're going to say, uh, this jacket in a size large has, you know, six ounces of 900 fill down. Um, so <laughs> went down that wormhole, did a lot of research, ordered a few jackets with the intent just to kind of look at it, try it on and, and find one that I liked. Um, and Stellar was the one that, that won that It just complete random search of this company and found them, ordered it. And it's a fantastic puffy. It's 11 something ounces. Uh, it's insanely warm. Um, but at the same time, it's not so overkill that if it's, 
it doesn't have to be freezing cold to wear it right it's kind of you can just have a base layer on and throw that on and be nice and comfy when it's you know 50 degrees um and yeah just a big fan of that jacket so yeah um, you've tried some other stuff from stellar too um yeah they're yeah i got that jacket and i was so impressed with it it's kind of like oh what else do they offer right (laughs) and they have they had some ultra light rain gear that i took on the sheep hunt um and frankly never just got to test it to any real capacity i mean it i hiked a few miles in it and some rain one day but it was you know i think any rain gear whether it was 50 dollars or 300 dollars would have performed equally well in that setting so um i can't really add to anything so i don't have any experience with how waterproof is it right because that's you got to balance waterproof rating with breathability and um never never got to do any more experience there so and they had uh they had some down long johns which uh seemed appealing but again i haven't haven't used those in any real um context yet you know just out in the field just haven't had the need yet yeah one thing that came uh to mind for me this year um you know this kind of goes back to me thinking through like my gear list going into the hunting season and like what's new what's changed and there wasn't there wasn't a ton right like we it's kind of that consistency we talked about but uh i did realize i changed the sleeping pad this year i had used the nemo tensor pad for a few years prior to this year Really liked it from uh, a comfort, warmth, and durability perspective. Um, it wasn't the lightest option out there. Um, and there was something that I didn't love about it, such as like the valve system, for example, for inflation, deflation. Um, and then this year, I noticed they had the Tensor, so Nemo Tensor Alpine, which is a you know totally separate uh, new pad. So it's the Tensor, but it's new valve, different materials, lighter weights, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I ran that this year um, and really did like it. Uh, It's just a hair over a pound um, for their standard or their regular size. Um, It has much improved valves like the the quick, um, I call it the quick dump valve, (laughs) like, but the quick deflate valve. Um, and then it also came with one of those uh, inflation, like quote unquote inflation sacks, which I always thought were like a joke, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're going to blow air into your pad, just like blow air into your pad, you don't need a sack. <laughs> but I started playing with it and then I actually like, oh, dang it. I kind of start, I kind of like it. Um, and then it, the same thing, it was like, it's two ounces and literally in two and a half breaths, not like heavy breaths, but in two and a half, just like blow into this bag i can pump up essentially and fully inflate um this nemo pad so i started even carrying that with it which it comes with it included um but yeah it's just it's a good even though it's much lighter than the prior tensor it's every bit as warm um i forget the exact number but the r value is four plus um it's a three inch pad um with the valve system it's really easy to fine-tune the pressure um which is something i pay close attention to is getting that pressure just right especially for uh, me i'm a i'm back and side sleeper but especially when it comes to sleeping on my um, side and the pad not being too firm and having some give but then not putting you on the ground type thing so anyway it's uh it's been a really good pad um this year that i've been happy with for sure and realized it was one of the changes that I made that I will for sure stick with. So definitely something to consider. Steve-O, next up, man, you keep climbing that ladder. Uh, oh, um, yeah, it sounds like a SIG commercial here, but I did take their <laughs> um, their BDX uh, rifle scope to Alaska. It is illegal in Idaho, 
Um, so not something that I could use here, but I was kind of debating on what scope to put on my gun. Um, and just kind of on a whim, I threw that thing on and just started playing with it. And, you know, for me, um, being, you know, a novice rifle guy, um, man, it just simplifies the process. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of electronics and a critical piece of hunting gear. Um, I think SIG did a brilliant job building backups and fail safes into the system. There, there's multiple options. Um, basically, I mean, if your if your battery completely dies and you're you know it's like shuts down the scope, you still are just left with a regular scope. It doesn't have a great crosshair, but it's got a crosshair. It's got dials. Um, like you could do everything any other scope does. And then if you don't have any issues. Um, and when it's syncing with Bluetooth with your rangefinder, it's just fantastic. I mean, you just literally range uh, and it just throws a dot exactly where you need to hold. And it's not, it's, you know, to me, it's even more precise because you don't have to split, um, you know, say it's calling for 4.35 MOA. Well, you either got to pick four and a quarter or four and a half and you got to split that difference. And this is just going to put a dot exactly where you need to hold. Uh, and another thing for me is I, I've tended to have a, a um, a ten, uh, I've had a tendency to cant the scope. I just get in it. Um, I've got, you know, I got a level on there, but once I just kind of start getting into the aiming process, every once in a while I'll stop and look up and go, oh crap, I'm like half a bubble off here. So I re-level off, re-level up and then start the aiming process again. Well, SIG inside the scope just has arrows on the, on the left and right side of the reticle on the far edges. And when you're off level, it just, it points an arrow up uh, on the right side saying, hey, you need to you know, basically can't to the left to get level again. Um, and man, I just like, it is such a clean, simple system that uh, I was very impressed with it. Um, and then uh, another fail safe they built into it is if, if your rangefinder dies, um, there's uh, you just, I can't remember how you do it. You, you turn the um, one of the knobs, like full, like left, right, left, right, full rotation or something like that twice and there's a setting that you would have preset in your in your app that then w- it'll just put dots out to 800 yards for you um, at whatever else. And you could go in there and you could have the elevation kind of set um, inside your cell phone app. Um, and uh, and so even like you lose your range finder, but you're hunting with your buddy and they've got theirs, you can still hunt. Um, so it's it's pretty, pretty well thought out system. Uh, you know, the optics aren't as nice as the highest in scopes out there, but I think it's still um you know good enough basically um to to get a shot off i mean it's clear uh low light conditions isn't fantastic but still like i don't think to me wouldn't affect the outcome of a hunt it's just not as nice of an image to look through so Hmm. um if you're in a state that that's legal and that's something you're interested in man i was very very impressed with it yeah that one's uh curious to me a because you're you're normally like such a keep it simple guy but i know from the year of you using this on and off and playing with it you have been super interested in it uh so i'm like man that must be like fairly legit if steve's actually open to this thing (laughs) and then the fact that you have wanted to use it in idaho i think is one of only two states where it's illegal idaho Um, and oregon maybe yeah so I find that funny if like, man, Steve, like the one thing yeah. I don't think he would like, he really likes, <laughs> and then he can't use it, like at yeah. least in his home state. Yeah. If, I mean, if it was legal in Idaho, there's like 1,000% it'd be on my gun, and I, I, yeah, I, it, I was very impressed with it. So, yeah. And I did talk to 
um, talked to Darren Cooper, um, who we've had on the podcast before, and he's very knowledgeable on that side. And he had done a review on it that I had stumbled across. Um, and he's definitely on that super precision side of things. And, um, you know, basically I, I told him what I was looking for and he's like, yeah, I think it's a fantastic choice. You know, just something simple and clean that, that I'm trying to, you know, I'm not trying to shoot 1200 yards. I'm just trying to shoot, you know, 500 yards very accurately and, and simple. And, uh, it's a great system. So, yeah, I need to play with it. I, uh, uh I've had those BDX binos, um, since the beginning of, uh, well, mid 2019 used them last year and this year, but didn't have the scope, uh, to actually connect and do the full BDX system here until more recently. Um, so definitely something I'll be playing with in the year coming, uh, so if you guys have questions on it, we can we can definitely tackle those in the future as well from more firsthand experience from both Steve and I. Um, man, there wasn't much besides that on my list, Steve. A random one that I thought about, and again, this is uh, less hunt specific, but going back into um, reloading and doing that over the past year for hunting is, you know, one of the hesitations I had about getting into reloading was just lack of space. Um, I just don't have a ton of space for a ton of equipment everywhere. And uh, a solution that I found, um, there's a company called Inline Fabrication, and they make uh, different systems that are essentially mounting plates uh, for reloading equipment. And so you can essentially have like this one station, this one plate um, that is then accepts different presses, uh, primer, like almost any reloading piece of reloading equipment you can think of. Essentially, inline fabrication makes a plate for, and then they all just quick swap into this one mounting location, this one mounting point. So, literally on my computer work desk, sitting two feet away from me. Um, I have one of their flush mount plates and so it's just super low profile integrates with uh, my desk and then I can easily swap in you know I have a couple different presses and some other items for reloading but basically just store those um, you know in a location where they're conveniently stored they don't have to be out all the time and then just quickly attach and detach and move uh, different pieces of equipment when I need to actually use them so that's been something that's uh I kind of overlooked, but I'm like, man, if I didn't have that and truly just had to have all of this equipment out all the time, it would be a giant pain in the butt, to be honest with you. So that's something uh, I overlooked. So that's all from inline fabrication. Um, you looks like you got what two left, Steve? Hit. Uh, I'm not sure where this falls in the price point, but hit the knife before I forget. You mentioned you didn't use the altitude this year because you were testing some other stuff. Yeah, I had a. I had multiple knives sent to me. One was from an Australian company called Eagle Hawk knives. Um, and, uh, yeah, just sent, sent me a knife said, Hey, would you be interested in checking this out and used it and was very, very impressed with it. Um, it, uh, they have a super light version that's basically no handle and they have a handled version. He sent me both. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I'm obviously super, super light guy. And so my, my, preference was for the super light on, on that bear hunt that Tyler and I went on the spring. Um, I packed both, uh, I'm just kind of like, oh, I'll check both of them out. And it was, I enjoyed having that handle so much, uh, on the bear, just, just having basically kind of having an actual grip to the knife and being able to apply torque and, and just use the knife that, um, I was very, very impressed with it. Um, and it's got a really nice, um, it's got a, it's a good size blade. Um, 
early on when I first got it, I'm like, ah, oh, maybe that's like, it's probably like a little bit bigger than it needs to be. You know, it's like, maybe it's like three and a half or four inches where like a, an altitude's three inches, something like that. It's just a little bit longer. Um, but one thing I kind of found, um, in practice was, you know, the, the, the longer the edge of that knife, the more that your use is getting spread out over the length of the knife. Right. So it's, it's going to have a tendency to go dull, um, or it's going to stay sharp longer, you know, setting steel aside. Um, the quality of the steel is obviously a, a huge factor in that. Um, but just more knife edge means more, you know, just going to stay sharp longer because you've got more edge to spread out your work over. Um, but, uh, and then yeah, just having that handle and it's got the, the knife edge does have a really nice belly to it. And I found that, um, it's one thing that, um, when I did uh, solid broadheads years ago, um, I intentionally put a curved edge on things because of it, um, it just cuts so much nicer than a straight edge, right? Like it's, it's basically the edge is always at an angle, um, and it just slices through things nicer. Um, and so they've, it's just got a really nice, consistent belly to it. And I just found it frankly, like quite enjoyable to cut up, uh, cut up that bear with. Um, and then I used it, um, on some other hunts as well. And just had a really, you know, just really good experience with that knife. Uh, I just talked to him recently and they're, they are working on doing, um, an S 90 V version. So it'd be same quality of steel that's in an altitude. And I was like, man, definitely let me know when you have that. I'd like to check it out. So, um, and then there's also another knife that I've gotten to play with from, I can't even mention yet from another company that's, um, very, very well-known knife, knife manufacturer that's going to do some hunting stuff. So hopefully I'll be able to talk about that soon too. Very, very well-known knife maker. That's not been in the hunting space yet. Put it that way. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, one more, Steve, I, you know, I gave you trouble for, uh, being able to play with all the fun, expensive goodies, but, uh, you got to take those and I think you hit them briefly. Um, the new Swero NL Pures on the sheep hunts, uh, you got to take those up there and put them to the test. So you said they were a standout, man. If you got the dough, they're worth the money, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're like, uh, uh, good beer to me. Like once you've had good beer or good coffee, you just can't go back. Um, <laughs> it's uh dude they're impressive yeah um like i haven't even got to use any since the sheep hunt we had the the swaro rep colby came by our uh came by sns archery a month or so ago with the 12 buys and a little headrest on them which i thought was just like gimmicky and hokey just looking at pictures and man i mean that was impressive um oh yeah just it is impressive impressive glass um, and I, I even, my go-to has been some eight by 32 ELs. Uh, and I actually had to send them back in for some warranty work. Um, and I got them back and I was kind of like, eh, <laughs> like I was like disappointed. Let's <laughs> say I'm ruined. Like, it's like, you know, <laughs> these things are fantastic glass, but after being able to spend that whole freaking sheep hunt with the pures, um, you know, dude, they are impressive, but you know, it's obviously they're just ridiculously expensive. Um, you really got to go through your priorities if you can, you know, either got to have a lot of money or hunting is like consumes your life uh, to justify spending that much money on that stuff. So, um, you know, I, that's one of the reasons Swaro is uh, they've been so back orders. They, they frankly didn't think they were going to sell that many of them. Like, you know, the range finding binoculars are kind of the best selling items the last five plus years. I think for a lot of companies and Swirls included in that. And um, they just underestimated the demand for these peers and having a tough time keeping up with it. Um, 
So yeah, it's um, they're just fantastic glasses. I have just no way to put it. So if, if uh, 32, 3,400 bucks is in your price range, uh, you can do no better. I can say that. I'm going to treat the uh, peers just like I treat uh, sheep horns. Like I just don't want to touch them. It's just going to make me right. want even more. I'm just no, like if somebody's yeah. like, Hey, check these out and be like, Nope, Nope, nope no thanks. Don't need to. <laughs> I'm just yeah. going to no, turn I... around and walk the other way. I swear I got that because I, uh, on my ELs, like the left eye cup, something stripped out and it was like twisting. And so I was getting, um, I think they call it the columnation or something like that. Basically I was getting a double image. Um, and, uh, so it's like, a, if you read text, it was literally just showing up twice. Um, it's really weird. So I sent it back, they fixed them, but I got them back and I was like, I don't know if they fixed them perfect. You know, like I know they are, they're good. I had everyone else look through them, but I was just so, uh, just so used to those pures um, as far as the quality of that image that, uh, yeah, I'm ruined. <laughs> that's funny. Well, guys, there you have it. That's uh, some gear that stood out to us this year from $3 to $3,000 plus. Um, we'll post a list of these items with links to the specific items uh, just to make it easy for you guys. If you want to check things out, put them on your Christmas list, go look at specs, all that. We'll um Put that list out there so just check out the um, link in the show description for that uh, and as always just to throw it out there like nothing on this list is something that uh, we have any like obligation or commitment to like uh, in terms of being paid uh, so this is all just stuff that you know we got purchased sometimes we do get to test stuff for sure uh, but used and personally like so hopefully that's helpful for you guys um If you haven't yet, hit the subscribe button on this show. And then if there's something you want to reach out to us about, whether that's a topic suggestion or just question about any of this gear or something else, just shoot us an email directly to podcast at exomountgear.com. And we'll talk to you next time.